is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 399, recorded Thursday, October 18th, 2018. Way to hit that 399 there, man. Well, it's, 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 it's exciting. It is pretty exciting. When I was putting together the notes for this episode, I wrote down 399 and thought, man, that's one less than 400. I think I'm more excited about 399 in the anticipation of 400 than I would be about 400. We'll see. We'll have to see on Tuesday when we record. You're right. It is kind of crazy to think that we've almost done 400 of these things here, but we have. And in fact, it may be 401 because I think there's uh, uh, I think there's a two-parter episode we did when we originally went to either New York Comic Con or the first Walker Stalker Con. I can't remember now, but I think we did a two-parter and I'm not sure if I numbered them separately or not. Oh, well. We're at this number. Let's just stay with the number and not confuse the issue. No, I wouldn't want to do that because we've never confused anything before. So why start now? Right. Um, all right. Uh, the, that cold I started to get on uh, Tuesday has come on full swing. So I am not in the best of health right now, but I will try to power through. Hopefully I don't hack and sneeze and cough and, you know, puke into this microphone tonight. But if I do, Jason... Or if I collapse over off my chair, please call an ambulance for me. Uh, okay, we'll see. I mean, I can see that you have snot crusting your beard, right? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's one of the more gross things I can think of. <laughs> it, it's not actually true, but it's funny to think about. Yeah, funny and gross, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm hopped up on some drugs, so I'm feeling a little better than I was earlier. Uh, now the marijuana is legal, you're all set? Oh, God, yeah, marijuana's legal in Canada now, too, as of yesterday, right? Yep. No, I have nothing to do with that. I have zero interest in purchasing legal weed. <laughs> Me, too. I have zero interest in pur- purchasing illegal weed or any illegal substance or legal weed or alcohol or tobacco. Well, tobacco and alcohol are okay, uh, at least. Yeah, but I have zero interest in purchasing these. Okay. Well, I have some interest in purchasing tobacco, but I'm not going to do it. All right. Yeah, you were a former smoker. Anyways, um, yeah, so I'll be fine. I just, uh, I'm, I'm a little hopped up on, on the, on the Advil cold and sinus right now. It, it seems to help me a fair bit. So That's good. we'll see. All right. Um, uh, we are here to do our listener feedback for season nine, episode two of The Walking Dead. And I think we should just get started. Super. Listener feedback. All right. We've got a bunch of emails and a bunch of calls about this episode And the first one here comes from uh, our friend Lee in St. Catharines. And Lee writes, holy crap, did you see Anne all over Gabriel? You could say that she was hot for preacher. Oh, fuck. That's awesome. (laughs) Uh, That's pretty funny, I thought. That is funny. That's her new name. Throw that in there to start things off. Hot for preacher. We got Gabriel and hot for preacher. That's, uh, (laughs) That's it. It's pretty good. And Jada's new name. Uh, yeah, exactly. Hot for Preacher. Now, let me ask you a question, Jason. That sure. In, in my in my um, sphere of culture, Hot for Preacher is a reference to Van Halen's Hot for Teacher. It, it is, yes. But does it does that does Hot for Teacher come from anything pre Van Halen, or did they coin that term? I couldn't tell you. I my 
knowledge of it comes from Van Halen. Okay. So you and I are about the same age, so that makes yep. sense. Uh, I'm going to f- figure it's a Van Halen thing, and uh, Hot for Preacher is a pretty good play on that. I, I It absolutely is. I like it. All right, next we have an email from Eric in Lower Alabama. Hey, listen up. Helicopters totally have a switch to turn off uh, the position and uh, turn off the position and anti-collision lights. They do this because flashing anti-collision light when flying through clouds has the potential to cause vertigo for the pilots. Also, I think the helicopter appears in the opening credits, so I'm willing to bet it'll play a big role this season, you idiots. Hey, listen, you idiots. Yeah. Yeah, so that's uh that's awesome. I thought people forgot how to write that email type thing. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best way to get someone to pay attention and learn something. Start with hey, listen and yeah. end with you idiots. That's right. And to really annoy them at the same time. It, unless you are, you know, uh have wonderful listeners like us and they know how to make a joke. Yeah, for sure. Know how to make a joke. Our listeners rarely annoy me. Um, so you can turn the lights off in the helicopter. This is something that came up last time on the podcast. I think you were talking about the lights. Yeah. Well, I, you know, there are, you know, admittedly a lot of switches and dials in a helicopter. There's a hell of a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't know if one of them was for the lights. I know my car has one for the lights. I can turn off the running lights, right? Uh, no, you can turn off the headlights. You probably can't turn off the running lights. No, I can. You can. Okay. Not- the car has to be in park, though, I think, to be able to turn them off, because otherwise going to a drive-in would be a really annoying, because everybody's running lights would be on, right? But you don't leave your car running at a drive-in. Well, no, you turn it on, you're, get, everything gets fogged up, or maybe oh, it's okay. cold that time of year, you turn it on a little bit. I've done this, you know, uh, just to put on the air to clean the wind, windshield and stuff. Yeah, but, right. You know, you're at a, you're at a, you're at a drive-in. It's going to get pretty hot and heavy inside the car. <laughs> That's the, one of the points of going to a drive-in, right? You're going to steam up those windows every time. The windows are going to get steamed up. Got it. And if you you got two options, you can roll down the windows and let all the mosquitoes in, or you can turn on the air conditioning and, and clear, those, clear those out. So periodically, cars start their engines, and they have to have the ability to turn off the running lights. Got it. Okay. Makes sense. I, I'm not sure if my car's running lights turn off, but my car's 14 years old, so... Oh, well, the last time we went to a drive-in, we went in the uh, the Grand Am, which is 2001. Ah, okay. So that car is old enough to get its own driver's license. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Maybe it should drive itself around. That'd be, be awesome. Pretty it's old enough. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, thank you, Eric, for the information on helicopters. I would, I've never been in a helicopter, and I'm dying to take a ride in one. I think that would be really cool. I, I was in a helicopter once, but I was... Too bloody scared to uh, pay attention to what was going on switches-wise. Sure. But if you went now, you wouldn't be afraid now, right? No, I, and it depends, right? I was in a military helicopter, and we weren't really strapped in, and the doors were open, and the damn thing was flying around, and it was doing scary stuff. Uh, whereas if I went in a helicopter now, it would probably be some kind of uh, tour, and mm-hmm. they'd probably leave the doors closed and strap you in. Well, I would think so, yeah. I I might... I'd like to do a helicopter ride, I don't know, around Niagara Falls or something mm-hmm. like that, around the CN Tower, downtown Toronto, you can take rides. Or I heard a friend of mine went to um, somewhere, uh, the Grand Canyon and took a helicopter oh, yeah. ride. That'd be out, really nice. Out over there. I think from Vegas out to the Grand Canyon. That would be beautiful. I'd love to try that. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, very nice. I, I want to go to Vegas now. I want to see Penn and Teller, take a helicopter ride out to the Grand Canyon, and maybe uh, go to the Hoover Dam. 
Oh, yeah, the Hoover Dam. Check All out those. that damn place. All right, and ask some damn questions. That's right. I have a lot of damn questions. I have a lot of damn answers, too. Like, I know the, the uh, concrete on the, on the Hoover Dam is still curing. It's not done. It's going to be curing for another 100 years. Well, once it's done, it'll be some of the thickest concrete in the world, probably. True. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Eric, for that. Next, we have a call here from Chris. Hi, guys. This is Chris in Virginia. Holy crap. Did you see that? Norman Reedus has never used a handsaw in his life. As they first pan into the lumber harvesting scene, Daryl's pretending to use a handsaw there to cut a limb off a log. And it's quite obvious he has no idea what he's doing. And then before the scene finally goes away, the log magically breaks off three inches away from where the saw was. <laughs> Clearly the log was prepared because Norman Reedus didn't know how to use a saw and couldn't cut through it. But this is worse than that van that didn't flip over. This is worse than pretending you could hide from a horde of zombies under a dumpster. This is worse than that craptastic deer that assaulted our eyes. This <laughs> is serious. This is a crime against carpentry, and it's intolerable, and it's unconscionable, and I will overreact and send a voice memo to a podcast. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Thanks, guys. You're great. Okay, bye. Thank you, Chris. So, Jason, I went back and watched yep. the scene where we're panning into the lumber uh, crew, and Daryl <laughs> is standing there using a handsaw to cut a branch off a log, yep. and then the log breaks like three inches away from where he's sawing. And I didn't pick this up the first two times I watched it, but when I watched a second time, or a third time, after I listened to Chris's call... Um, I almost died laughing. It is so funny. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. It is probably one of the funniest little bloopers I've ever seen on the show. Okay. So here's the thing. I did notice it, but I purposefully decided not to call it out because there's only so much nitpicking you can do. And I decided that my nitpicking would be about that, uh, that magic log that was incredibly light going up that 60 degree incline. Obviously, Daryl had a prop saw. Uh -huh. uh, Norman Reedus had a prop saw and was told to saw this branch. And then when the branch broke, not where he was sawing, he was surprised. He was. He he, <laughs> he he reacted pretty well, I thought. But you can you can almost see it in his in his face too. Like yeah. what's going on with this prop log? <laughs> I also didn't call out uh, Justin nailing uh, a nail into the bridge. When he was uh, he was hammering, he looked he was half choked up halfway up the hammer, and uh, obviously didn't know what he was doing either, and didn't get the nail all the way in, and he also kind of looked surprised that his last hammer blow didn't make the nail go all the way in because I don't know if you know this, but the the actor is actually incredibly buff, he's very very muscular. He doesn't he has he's had his shirt on the whole time, but in uh, Shameless his shirt has come off, and uh, he is a very much a uh, bodybuilder and the fact that that nail didn't go all the way in i think surprised him as well well i mean just because you're a bodybuilder doesn't mean you know how to use a hammer no it absolutely does not you know what does translate to using a hammer what being a drummer oh yeah because you uh you take a lot of time to practice swinging your arms around and hitting small areas consistently and evenly swinging a hammer is kind of second nature to a drummer Interesting. I never thought of that, but it makes sense. Yeah. Um, I didn't notice Justin with the hammer 
And as I said, I didn't notice Daryl with the saw at first, but man, it was funny when I when I did notice it. So I almost want to go back and watch it over and over again. It, it just seems like a, a hilarious blooper in the show. It's yeah, really good. And Crime Against Carpentry. like Absolutely. And Chris, you're absolutely right for calling it out and uh, overreacting. <laughs> and uh, when, when you're really, really angry about something, you send a voicemail to a podcast about it. it feel that, free. That's what I would do. Or feel- I would write a strongly word, worded yet polite letter to somebody's underling who may pass the gist to their boss. Yeah, I, I might do that. Feel free to call and or write to a podcast anytime you want when something like that comes up, because it's totally worth it. I am glad this was pointed out to me. It is probably one of the funniest things I've seen on the show. Yeah, it's pretty funny. All right, next we have a call from Raymond. This is Raymond from Alabama. I was wondering if you guys noticed how much Aaron looks like Rick from the comic book now. If you think that possibly Aaron could step up in the series and start becoming more of a leader type because he looks exactly like Rick from the comic book now, especially if they give him a prosthetic. Thank you. Thank you, Raymond. So Jason, I don't know if this is something you'll be able to comment on having not read the comic since issue number 100, right? Right. Yep. But uh, Raymond makes a really good point. Aaron looks like Rick looks like in the comic book currently. Oh, well, it's just a swap then. They're just going to swap the character, uh, you know, give all the lines to Aaron that they normally would have given to Rick and uh, be done with it. They they could. I don't know. I, it's it's weird. Like um, the yeah, it's the beard. Mostly the beard kind of looks like the beard Rick has in the comic now. Short hair uh, does it as well. And now we just cut Aaron's arm off or, you know arm below the elbow off and you know as we as we know rick is missing a hand in the comic he has been from the beginning and then when you pile that on with the the knowledge that rick or andrew lincoln is leaving the show at some point this year it's kind of an interesting idea to think maybe aaron is going to take over some of the rick role or plot lines in the future of the show or they're going to totally go in a different direction but it's kind of weird that Aaron's starting to look like Rick does in the comic quite a bit. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, Oh, I I can't obviously comment on how Rick looks, looks in the comic, but I can say that with, uh, Andrew Lincoln leaving the show, Aaron could uh, absolutely step into that role. Unfortunately, he won't hook up with Michonne. So he has to hook up with Daryl. Yes, he does. And we'll talk about maybe Michonne can hook up with Tara. (laughs) Sure. Why not? (laughs) Yeah. As long as we're swapping love stories, love interest, uh, let's do it that way. I think it makes sense. Um, I would like to see uh, Aaron, played by Ross Marquand, take a bigger role in the show, to be honest. He is a great actor, and he's been underutilized on the show, I think, a little bit. So, Now that he has the beard, they have to give him a more prominent role. That beard deserves screen time. It deserves to be seen, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, it really does. All right. uh, Here's another call from Final Harvest in Germany. Hi, Jason and Chris. This is Final Harvest calling from Germany. In regards to your last episode where you mentioned a camel being a horse designed by a committee, I just wanted to say that camels do store fat in their humps, not water like you mentioned. 
And in regards to the show, I just wanted to say that I love Henry's character and I hope to see some more of him. I hope to see the character evolve. But I agree with Bill from New Jersey who wrote in and said that he thought Henry was a goner as soon as he saw Ezekiel talk to him about having grandchildren and as soon as he saw Carol kiss him. Okay, I love your show. All the best. Bye. Okay, are you telling me my grade two teacher lied to me about what a camel hump was for? Well, here's the thing, uh, Jason. I, as soon as I listened to this and Final Harvest said that the humps are designed to store fat, I'm like, oh yeah, I knew that. They're not just like big, you know, sloshing bags water, yeah. cool bags of water in there. They're fat, which is then dissolved and, you know, turned into water when they need uh, hydration. And food, I assume. Well, and, and you know, sustenance, exactly. So I kind of knew that already. But I didn't think about it while you were saying it. And you're right. As a kid, everyone grows up thinking, oh, camel's humps are for storing water. <laughs> I, I guess in the back of my mind, I knew it was a little more complex than just a sack of water because it wouldn't stand up, right? The hump would flop over and it'd just be this like saddlebag of liquid, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I've seen this on animals. When my cat got sick a number of years ago, uh, she became severely dehydrated and me and uh, my then fiance, now wife, had to uh, give the cat subcutaneous fluids. We had to trap the cat twice a day, stick a needle in her back and uh, fill uh, her back underneath the skin full of a saline solution that they, they had given us. So we had to hydrate the cat and it would... It would flop around like a hump of water for about half hour, 45 minutes until her body absorbed it. Uh, so that, I know what that looks like. That looks like a sack of water on something's back that is uncomfortable. And that's not what a camel's hump looks like. So I guess I kind of knew that it was a little more complex, com complex than a sack of water, but, and that makes sense. But, uh, I guess my teachers lied to me. My well, mom lied to me, you know, probably books and TV lied to me. Oh my God. TV never lies, does it? TV lies all the time. Oh, it lies so. sweet, sweet lies. Tell so, me sweet, sweet lies. So what do you think about little Henry then? Uh, is Henry a goner? Is Henry going to survive the season? Yeah, he's going to survive. Yeah, I, I think so. Carol. I think so too. I think we are beyond the time when <laughs> a kiss or a cookie from Carol is a signifier of certain death. I think we're beyond that. So I think so. I, I, there's not a whole lot of kids left in this show, so he has to survive. Well, we he's have, the only one who carries a stick anymore. I mean, uh, Morgan's gone, right? Sure. Uh, we've got Henry, we've got Judith, we've got, um, unnamed a, baby that they stole. Right. That's, uh, you think the, one of the saviors is trying to collect that baby. What happened to that baby? No. Whose baby was that's that? The, that's Aaron's baby. Aaron is looking after baby Gracie right now. Right? Right. And we've got, oh, I mean, Alden mentioned a savior who has a family, one with a new baby. We've never seen that baby. So okay, so I, we have to assume that, whoever's that whoever was the parents of that baby died in that raid. Right. Because otherwise they'd be like, hey, can we have our baby <laughs> can back? Can I have my baby back that you stole? Yeah. So I guess so. Um, but there's a few kids out there. But Henry, uh, I don't know. I think I have a feeling Henry's going to survive. I don't think Carol being associated with him is the kiss of death that it used to be. So uh, let's let's keep him around for a while. 
I, I, I enjoyed Henry's part in this episode, to be honest, you know, bringing, yep. bringing the water, doing a job. His interaction with Ezekiel was funny. And then when Carol said, is, is he taller? Is he getting taller? Ezekiel said, yeah, he'll be off to college before you know it. I thought that was a great line. That's a good one. It's a good, good one. one. Yeah. That's what happens to kids. They get taller before your very eyes. Oh, man. My older daughter's 11. She's taller than my mom. And wow. she's almost. Really? As, yeah. She's taller than my mom and getting close to the height of my wife. She's growing like a friggin' weed. I haven't seen your kids in a while. Yeah, I know. We got to get them together. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, kids grow. It happens. <laughs> All right. Next, we have an email from Chris with a K in Toronto. Uh, coming from a doctor's view, I agree that Aaron's mangled arm looked pretty realistic. FYI, in real life, that arm can can probably be saved. I've had a teenager patient patient with a leg that got mangled from a head-on collision car accident and her foot was almost completely severed and hanging off her ankle but we were able to save it and she's walking today well first of all chris that is fantastic i mean that's good to hear great great to hear that's amazing work and um chris is one of the few uh actual physicians that regularly writes into the podcast so he's got some some input on this kind of thing um, but yeah, Aaron's arm all squished and mangled up from that log, I thought looked really good. And yeah, it looked great. Like, I mean, bad, but the effects were good. That's what I, I mean. I'm applauding the, the effects, not the mangled arm. Sure. I love mangled arms. It looked... I, can't, I can't wait to see another mangled arm someday. <laughs> it looked like a legitimately mangled arm is, is the point. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Um, okay. Rocco in Pittsburgh wrote in about you know, the mangled arm as well. And Rocco says, Hey guys. So after listening to the podcast and thinking about Aaron's arm being cut off, I agreed with Jason that Aaron would be in bad shape after just burning the wound shut. So I decided to ask my wife, who is a nurse specializing in cardiology about the scene. She explained to me that our circular circulatory system is not a continuous loop. Your arteries carry blood to your muscles and release the oxygenated blood into the muscle tissue. Your veins then pick up the deoxygenated blood, carrying it back to the heart to repeat the cycle. She said your body will reform the tiny capillaries uh, within the muscle tissue, regardless of how you cauterize the wound. You must cauterize the wound in order to stop the bleeding and to prevent infection. She laughed and said if you don't cauterize it like Enid did... Aaron would bleed out and die rather quickly. Okay, so I don't know everything, obviously. Well, clearly not, uh, because you don't I always need... thought the veins, little tiny, teeny, tiny veins connected to the little teeny, tiny arteries, <laughs> and then the blood just kind of went through there. And I don't know how the oxygenated blood gave stuff to the muscles and fats and yeah. bones and stuff, but I assumed there was some kind of handshake going off, like, hey, you need some oxygen? Sure, I'll have some oxygen here, and they passed it through some kind of uh, cell wall. No, well, apparently what happens is the oxygen oxygenated blood comes, you know, through, goes into the muscle tissue or wherever it needs to go, and then the deoxygenated blood gets uh, pulled out and heads back to the heart. You don't need a continuous loop, so you can chop off an arm cauterize it all and your body will figure it out oh well okay let's do that then well, well good for them for knowing that i guess that was in the manual well no. cauterize I, the wound after you cut off the arm yeah either it was in the manual or you had got lucky but either way she was pretty confident in what she was doing and i thought that was great 
that is good. Okay, really good. so I'm 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 happy to know this information. Well, yeah. So if you ever accidentally chop off your arm, you can have someone cauterize it, and hopefully you'll be fine. Yeah, and give me a smoke. At that point, I'm going to start smoking again. <laughs> sure. I mean, if there's <laughs> if there's a scenario where that's okay, that's probably it. Yeah, I'd probably start drinking too. Sure. Uh, okay. So next, we have an email from Noel in the UK or Noel. 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 I don't it's know. Not Noel. Well, it's is hard it, to say. Is Noel spelt differently? No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm saying it could be either, but my assumption would be Noel, but I don't know. Noel, Noel or Noel, let us know. Yeah, and I apologize because somebody's screwing up your name. One of us. One of us. Uh, okay, well, anyway, they write in the UK. What do you two think about the huge amount of foreshadowing between Aaron and Daryl in their conversation about Daryl being a good father? We all know Andrew Lincoln is due to leave the show, so it would mean that Judith is obviously left without a father. Will Daryl pick up the pieces and become the father figure? I don't see why not. Someone has to take over Judith if Rick is gone, and you would think that would be Michonne, being her sort of... Well, that's more of a maternal figure, not a father figure, right? Well, obviously, yeah, but does that... I mean, Michonne and Daryl, they're not going to get together, but maybe they'll just no. be the parents. No, that'd be crazy. Parental figures. Michonne's going to hook up with Tara. Right, okay, so... Is Daryl going to take over responsibility of raise the responsibility of raising Judith? Well, it's all a community thing, right? So yeah, they'll have different people helping out, and some of them will be father figures, and some of them will be mother figures, and uh, you know, it takes a village. Yeah, absolutely, it does take a village. So everyone will throw in their uh, little bit of help here and there. Yeah, um, but it is interesting that that uh, they included this scene with Aaron sort of telling Daryl he's going to be a, a good dad. It well, could be... if Aaron is taking care of baby Gracie uh, and saying that Daryl would make a good father, that's also foreshadowing of them getting together. See? A lot Isn't of it? different things. I think so. A lot of things could be going on here. Maybe the two of them will get together and adopt Judith, and there'll be a two-man, two-baby family. Little ass kicker. Right. <laughs> she hasn't <laughs> she hasn't been called little ass kicker in a long time. It's been a while, but that's Daryl's nickname for her. So uh this is all good. I'm 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 pulling hard for this. I think this is a great idea. I'm 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 all in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh we'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh but before that, Barbara in California writes hand cranked sirens were used in the old days for tornado warnings and such. So it's reasonable that the survivors found a few to make use of. Oh, well, there you go. The other show could have used them. Uh, there was a tornado. That's right. The other show could have used them. Um, but I, this is kind of what I was saying. Like when you get that many people together, there's a lot of different skills and knowledge sets that come together. So there's bound to be somebody in that group who's like, you know what? I used to be the tornado siren warning guy, and I know where to get some of those, and maybe we could use them. So let's go grab a couple, and we can use them to redirect zombie herds. Huh. That's a good idea. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, and, I wish I knew where to get one. Well, I was just going to say that. I kind of wouldn't mind one, too. I'd take it out in the backyard and have the kids crank it and alert all their friends that, all right. you know, they're around. <laughs> eBay. I'll try Amazon first. Amazon. All right, well. Why don't we continue with this show before I go shopping? Sure. All right. Next, we have an email from Miss Lucy, the one true goddess. 
On this week's show, you mentioned a possible love interest between Errol, Aaron and Daryl. I'm already calling them Errol. Errol. It's perfect. <laughs> it works. Ship those Aaron two. Aaron and Daryl. Yeah. All right. Until this season, Aaron was very clear cut kind of guy that I couldn't, and I couldn't see clean cut kind of guy, and I couldn't see him going for an unwashed Daryl, who looks more and more like a well-known UK scarecrow, Warzel Gummidge. Yep. Do you know of this Warzel Gummidge, Christopher? Well, I did look up Warzel Gummidge because I did not know of this character before uh, Miss Lucy's email. And from Wikipedia, it says Wurzel Gummidge is a walking, talking scarecrow character in British children's fiction who originally appeared in a series of books by the English novelist Barbara Euphen Todd. So it's a scarecrow. It's a living scarecrow. It's kind of like the scarecrow from Wizard of Oz, I guess. Yeah, these pictures are weird. All right. Uh, she goes on to say, uh, maybe that's why they've changed Aaron's image lately with that beard. Sure. But I don't think the beard makes him like kind of dirty and, and unwashed, but I don't know, maybe, maybe a little bit. Uh, uh, I learned recently that the word slut originally comes from someone who is dirty and unwashed. Really? Yeah. Okay. So look up the origin of, of uh slut. Somebody, a slut was generally someone who was, was, uh, was dirty. And not, so they, <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't, it, I, it doesn't mean promiscuous. I figured it, it does. It's, it's, it's kind of, uh, evolved into that, but, uh, yeah, slut, the origin. So Daryl's a bit of a slut. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Maybe. I don't know if that's true, <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, if they're changing Aaron's image a little bit to make him more appealing to Daryl, then fine. I'd like to see these two guys get together. Okay. Leith on our Facebook page wrote, I would be so, so happy if Daryl and Aaron became a couple. Sadly, I don't think that will happen. My theory, Aaron will get an infection and will die. This will create a nice little side story about Enid having a crisis of confidence. And meanwhile, dying Aaron will entrust the care of the baby he's been looking after to Daryl. Hence Aaron's, I think you'd make a great dad line. So Daryl will end up with a little family and a reason to keep going once Rick is gone and Carol has gone back to Ezekiel at the kingdom. Daryl's sexuality will forever remain a mystery and he will never get laid. I really, <laughs> really hope that I'm wrong. Daryl deserves some love from someone. At least give the man a pet dog. <laughs> he should have a dog. I think that's absolutely correct. You think so? He's he would be the sort of a man, a guy to go around with a dog sidekick. I could see that. that everybody does. Everybody needs a dog sidekick. In my humble opinion, I think that'd be really nice. Maybe, but I, I surprisingly few dogs in this show. That's very true. Uh, we've seen a few dogs. Early on, eating zombie carcasses, I think. But, uh, yeah, I could see Daryl walking around with a dog. Um, but, you know, if, if I guess that would be okay if uh, Aaron doesn't survive. And it does make some amount of sense to me that, that Daryl would have to take over the raising of baby Gracie if, if Aaron passed on. So, right. I don't know. We'll have to see. It's hard to imagine to be honest right now, but it could, could be a thing. It could be a thing. Yeah. All right. Amazon has a, uh, yay tech hand crank loud manually operated portal, portable metal alarm air raid siren. See? So 49 dollars 
Canadian. You already ordered it, haven't you? I'm. It says there's only three left, so I better order this free, free shipping with Amazon Prime. And it's 110 decibels. That's, that's really fucking loud. That's loud. You could annoy your neighbors big time with that. I don't know what I would use this for. I don't. Nobody would let me use this in the house, and I probably couldn't use it outside because people would freak out. Well, people right? would think they're, you're under attack or something. You should buy it, go outside, eat an MRE, and and crank your siren. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> that sounds good. Oh, that's just Jason again. He's out in his backyard cranking his siren. I wish he'd stop that. Do you think if you did that, like, for a few minutes, somebody would call the police? They might. I've always wanted a bullhorn, too, so if I'm going to order this, I'm ordering a bullhorn. I think you should do it, man. I Here's what you should do. Order this thing. Yeah. Go out in your backyard. Get your wife to film you cranking it and see if the police show up. Okay. Do it. See what, see what I can do. I think it would be funny. <laughs> uh, all right. Your All turn. Right, so where the hell are we? I got totally distracted. Okay, Anna in Wales. This series is is so loved up right now. Jerry and uh, Nabila, Anne and Father Gabriel, or Father Gabriel and uh, Hot for Preacher. Right. Re- replacing her name there. All the kissing. It's so soapy. I love it. I'm having so much fun guessing who they will pair off next. I think the fans would go crazy for Daryl and Aaron. And Arg Negan, go away already. I'm so over you. Right. So the show has become more romantic than it has in two episodes, like than in eight previous seasons, I think, to be honest, or at least. Well, that's because in the eight previous seasons, there was no time for hanky panky. There was just barely time for base level survival. It's true. Now they've got 18 months of just like, okay, let's, you know, find yourself a wagon and a in a plow and we'll build some stuff. And it's like, Oh, there's people around here that are of interest to me all of a sudden. And now that I have time to pay attention to such things, and maybe I found a nice little stash of wine somewhere. Uh, yeah, this doesn't surprise me. I think it's great. Hey, do you want to join me in the back of this covered wagon? (laughs) That kind of thing. We're getting a covered wagon. That's right. Um, but in all seriousness, I think that, this is a delightful turn for the show, to be honest with you. And I was thinking about this a little bit and how having seeing spending some time with these characters, not just suffering and not just trying to survive where everything is going terrible for them. It feels so relieving to me in a way. Like I feel really good about the show right now it just it's just a great feeling to see these characters thriving and be happy and enjoying the little moments like king ezekiel said you know i i think this is amazing i think this was a really really good or good turn for the show a step in the right direction to have the zombie terror to have you know threats and things like that but to balance it out with a little bit more of this kind of feel good People are getting along. People are living together, and uh, and and like I said, enjoying these little touching moments. So yeah. I think it's I think it's great. I think it's I think we've had two amazing episodes here, and the one of the big reasons for that is they've included this kind of you know hu- these human moments of people getting along and coming together as people. I think it's really well done. Yeah, I agree. I think it's great. And then. You know, Anna's last comment about Negan, would you go away already? I'm so over you. 
I agree with that too. I must admit, I am not thrilled about the idea that Negan is coming back to the show. Not that he ever went anywhere, but that he's going to come back and he's going to be this menacing threat anymore, right? I'm kind of done. I'm kind of over Negan, and I don't want him to get out of that jail cell. I want him to rot in there for as long <laughs> as possible. Because if he does come out, I feel like we're going to be just treading the same ground of of Negan grandstanding and being this ridiculous character that that is... Um, you know, hard to hard to swallow, kind of. Now, I know that he's not in the same position of power that he was before, so maybe it'll be different, but I'm not convinced that the show will be able to do something entirely different or new with Negan if he does get out of that jail cell. So I'm over him. I agree with Anna. I kind of hope he stays in there. Yeah, I just I leave him in the hole. Just throw him in a hole and forget about him. That's what they used to do. The horrifying thought about it, uh, thought I have, is what they used to do with prisons in the Middle Ages. They didn't feed prisoners. They threw them in a deep, dark hole, and they had to survive on whatever they could find. Rats, bugs, other people. um, You know, they didn't take the time to give them food and blankets and stuff. Just like, no, you're you're in in the dungeon. See you later. I mean, that's horrifying. and in, It's absolutely horrifying. Inhumane, but yeah, I mean, it was the Dark Ages. I don't think they should stop feeding Negan. I just hope he doesn't get out of his cell. Like, leave him in there for a while, you know? Yeah, just throw him in the hole. Or if, he, do- if he does get out, and to be fair, I do, kind of, I do know what happens in the comics, uh, which I'm not going to discuss here, but... Um, it, and, and and the comics, I must say, handles it reasonably well. So if they go that route, which I assume they're going to, or something similar, maybe it will be okay. But I'm just not quite ready for Negan to get out yet. I don't need Negan on the TV show for a while. I think there's other things to explore. And I think there is, I think so far in just two episodes, they're doing a good job of exploring those other things and the relationships between all these characters is one of the things that I'm very, very happy and excited to see. So let Negan chill for a while, bring him back maybe in season 10 or 11 and do something then. But for now, I think they're going in the right direction. So let's not get him out too soon. And we should let Jeffrey Dean Morgan do some other stuff, right? I mean, sure. sure he had uh, that movie Rampage. But he's pretty much Negan in Rampage. I haven't seen it, but from what I've, what I've oh, seen yeah. in the trailers, he seems like he's pretty much Negan in Rampage instead of Negan in The Walking Dead. Right. So, but let him let him do other stuff. He could he makes a good love interest, from what my mom tells me. <laughs> so, sure. <laughs> so you know, let him do some stuff for a while, and then bring him back maybe later, or maybe, you know, three years from now, they can go, oh, shit, what happened to Negan? It's like, oh, we left him in the hole and he died. <laughs> sure, and then we move on to something else. And then you move on. Yeah, he was in that, that movie we watched during his spotlight that you forgot to watch where he was the love interest, right? <laughs> you keep reminding me of that. Oh, no, you don't keep reminding me. This is the first time you've reminded me of this. Right. My mental men- mentality reminds me that I promised to watch that show five times. Uh-huh. That movie five times in penance. I haven't done that yet. I really, really should. Can you tell me what the name of that movie was? 
Off the top of my head, no, but I'm sure I can look it up. <laughs> okay, well, I need to find out what that is because uh, I still it still weighs on me. I it's still in the back of my head. It will happen. You owe us. You owe I, us. Oh yes, I F- owe you, and I know that. <laughs> Five viewings of that piece of crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> maybe I'm 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 going on a business trip in the next week, so maybe I'll have some time that I can. I'm not going to do it then. There's no way. One of these yeah. days. One of these someday, days. I'll do someday. It. Yeah. Someday. All right. We'll just have to set a deadline because I'm really, <laughs> uh, I'm, um, I'm a do what needs to be done kind of guy, and it's a double edged sword because I'll do what needs to be done. If it, if it needs to be done, I'll suck it up and do it. But unless it needs to be done, I don't do it. There's a good chance it's not getting done. It's not getting done until it needs to be done. Well, do do what needs to be done, sh- and that's it. Should we say? <laughs> New Year's Day 2019? I mean, that's not that far from now. Okay, let's... Okay, well, how about we just extend it a little bit longer? I'll watch it five times during the mid-season hiatus. Oh, that's good. That goes until sometime in February, probably. Yeah, so, but I'm not going to start... I'm not even going to think about it until we get there. But then by the time we come back, I'll have watched it five times. Okay, someone's... (laughs) Somebody, probably not me... Is going to hold you to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I think that's a good goal for you. Okay. We also have to figure out what the movie was called because I don't remember right now. But Yeah, well, what we need is a cop. We need somebody to uh, to uh, volunteer themselves to be uh, a somebody who will remind me on a weekly basis and uh, bash, bash about my guilt. All right. As, as I don't do it. Well, so maybe we could have a volunteer. I'm I'm sure we can find somebody. Let's move on to the next email, though, while I try to figure out what the movie was called. Okay. That's you, Michael in London. It is? Yeah. Oh, all right then. We, were ta- we, were, we just did Anne, Anna in Wales, and she was talking about Negan, I'm over you. All right, fine. Michael in London. I got so distracted, I have no idea what's going on. Michael writes, what... I am continuing to find intriguing is that over previous seasons, our crew had been trying so hard to reestablish humanity and a sense of society, regardless of who or what they were facing, be it the walkers, the governor, terminus, the wolves, cheesemakers, saviors, etc. But now they are actually there and have the opportunity. It doesn't seem to be going as well as they wanted to. Indeed, Rome wasn't built in a day. But it is making me think that now everything has gone and changed. Is totalitarianism the actual answer? So, Jason, when you're trying to rebuild a society and do it the right way, is does it make sense to have a uh, uh, a leader uh, that's you know the uh, one and only leader in sort of a totalitarian regime because the leader knows best and can tell you what to do? Well, it's it's hard to say. I mean, we've had that kind of system of government for hundreds of thousands of years where it was just somebody who was in charge and that person was in charge and that was the end of it. Uh, but, you know, we've also evolved as a society into more complex systems of government. So, you know, uh, you know democracy is the best system of government except for all the others. Right. Right, I've heard that before. So it's it's hard to say. I, I think it uh, it ultimately just kind of goes. It is what it is. Um, excuse me. Uh, 
the biggest problem I have with what Maggie did was that she pretended that it was justice and that it was for the common good. Mm-hmm. It absolutely was not. It was her decision, unilateral decision to do that. It's the lie that she uh, perpetrated by standing in front of that crowd and hanging him publicly. Mm-hmm. It's it's not what she did, but the fact that she lied about it and is manipulating the people. That is my problem. Okay. So, but that's sort of totalitarianism as well. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like there's there's got to be propaganda. Yeah. So you and you got to use your personal uh, quest for power and what you do at to further your quest for power, and maybe that's what she's doing. But it's it's not what she did. It's it's more of uh, uh, the lie she perpetrated on on the people she is uh, in charge of right now or leading. Right. Right. Well, I think it's a it's an interesting sort of thought experiment to think when starting a society from the ground up, is it better to have someone who is, you know, knowledgeable about these things and able to sort of get them kickstarted, get them going in a sort of totalitarianism kind of scenario? And then once they're up and running, expand it out into a more democratic system or a at least a council that to make decisions? Or do you start from that point where you involve everybody in the decisions rather than just have a single uh, leader that's leading everybody? Right. Um, I don't know. It's it's you could I think you can make arguments for uh, for either either way, probably. Yeah. And personally, if I was restarting society, I'd probably go to some, uh, you know, default to some form of counseled anarchism. And what I mean by that is basically you sit around uh, and have a a council of elders or people that are in charge, but they're not really in charge. They just kind of offer advice and and thoughts and uh, opinions. Mm -hmm. And then everybody just ultimately does whatever the hell they want. But at least they talk about it. Right. Well, so it's kind of a counseled anarchy. (laughs) It's sort of a uh, controlled anarchy. It's not even control. It's just like, okay, we're going to talk about this, but I'm still going to do whatever the hell I want. Sure. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair and enough. I can, I can talk to you about what, uh, you know, what you're doing, what you're planning on doing. I might try and talk you out of it. I might encourage it, but, uh, you still, you have the right to do whatever the fuck you want because this is anarchy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> do whatever you want. So anyway, that's how I would default it. Okay. Cause then nobody's in charge, but at least you talk about shit. Uh, sure. No one's in charge, but you talk about things and eventually someone will make a decision. Yeah. Okay. That best suits themselves. Well, of course, as as usual. Okay. So next we have an email from, uh, John in Connecticut. I'm not impressed with the, with the season so far. It's not bad. It's not good. It's just so, so it's way too predictable. And the writing seems lazy. Why was Justin only allowed a ration of water? First of all, there's like a river 10 feet away, so there's plenty of water. Rationing implies slave or prisoner labor, and aren't the communities supposed to be working together? I see it as Henry was at fault and being an ass to Justin and the, and the rest of the workers. All this unnecessary drama so Daryl can get in a fight with Justin. Uh, if they have such, a clear, have such clear issues with Justin, or any of the saviors for that matter, even though it's been a year and a half since All Out War— why would you put him in such an important position? Again, creating a reason for Daryl to get into a fight with him so Rick can kick him out and we can see the mysterious assault. 
So I find John's comments here a little bit cynical, but I don't hold that against him in any way because I have been known myself to be a little bit cynical about things too. And I can totally understand that. Um, but, you know, the rationing of the water thing, when there's a whole river right below them, uh, yeah, fine. I guess there's plenty of water around. How but many saltwater rivers are there? Maybe it's a saltwater river. Well, it's probably not a saltwater river, but... <laughs> okay, I don't know if they have any of those. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, so there's plenty of fresh water. Sure. It's just you need to filter the sticks out of it. Yeah, it, might, it, what... it might be dirty. You might need to boil it or something like that. But at the same time, you know, it's not like they're... They're they're only rationing water for the saviors that are working on the bridge. They're rationing water for everybody because they have limited water. And I take John's point about um, sort of rationing, implying that it's like slave labor in a way or prisoner labor labor. But again, if they're doing that for everybody, it seems to make sense. It's not like they're saying you guys from Hilltop drink as much as you want. But you guys from the sanctuary, you only get like a tiny little cup every hour. So at least that's not what we saw. We just happened to see Henry delivering water to that one guy. And he's a hothead and he flew off the handle. So, you know, I, I don't know if I'm totally on board with what John is saying here. Um, and the Maybe whole- Henry was like handing out water. He's like, okay, here's a cup of water, but I only got this bucket that's like so big because I'm only a little kid and I can only carry so much. So have a drink. I'll give everybody else a drink and then I'll go fill up the bucket again and I'll come right back. I'll be back in 10 minutes. But Justin was a dick and decided to uh, to fight it. Maybe it's not rationing. Maybe it's uh, just convenience. I, you know, I want everybody to have a drink. Don't drink the whole bucket. And then uh, the guy standing next to you doesn't get a drink. I just want to give a little bit to everybody. Mm-hmm. And I'll go fill up the bucket again, and then I'll come back and give a little bit to everybody. Sure. And we'll just keep doing that all day long. That's my whole job. Sure. That, Justin was a bit of a shithead. Well, we all know that. I mean, Justin is a totally a dick. So um, that makes sense. And that, uh, uh, bucket or cooler or whatever it was of water that Henry was carrying around. It would be pretty heavy if it was totally full. So it totally would. Could see that, but he should have a wagon, right? Right? Yeah. Just like I'm sure there's wagons around. Like I a mean, kid's not, wagon. not the big wagon, like a kid's wagon, like a little red wagon, like a red rider kind of thing. Uh-huh. So that he doesn't have to carry that bucket of water around. Maybe he can carry two buckets of water, and everybody can have two cups of water every round. Amazing! Great idea. Yeah. So I don't know, um, but I should have a water stand and then, uh, Henry just goes and keeps filling up the water stand and everybody, when they're thirsty, they just walk over to the water cooler and have a drink and then talk about the latest episode of, uh, uh, I don't even know what Frasier. Probably. Yeah. The last episode that they saw of Frasier. Why not? Well, I was thinking about what was around when the, when the zombie apocalypse broke out. I think Frasier was still on. Sure. Um, I'm, and I guess it was, the whole scene was designed so that we could have this fight and, and create a little bit of conflict and so on. But I thought it was staged pretty well. I thought they did a good job with it I, and it didn't bother me at all. Um, plus, Justin is a dick and he's showing his dickishness all the time. Yeah, he is a dick. And I don't think Henry with his stick would have knocked Justin over. Justin's a big guy. Like I said, he's a bit of a bodybuilder and he's probably weighs a lot. Mm-hmm. His muscle weighs more than fat. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's probably a pretty heavy guy. So knocking his feet out from under him might be a little difficult for someone. Henry's how old now? 15? No. Oh, God, he's not. He's maybe 12. Se- yeah. Seven? Yeah. He's not old. Know. Yeah. I'm good with, I'm good with judging ages up to and including 
uh, two years and two months. I think Henry is max 12. Okay. So I don't, I question whether or not he could easily take the legs out from under Justin like that. He was, it looked a little bit like a pratfall. He was cha- He was trained by Morgan, by Momo. So that gives him an advantage. It doesn't mean he can't ignore physics. Oh wait, we're talking about the walking dead. Okay. He can ignore physics. I'm right. Good. See, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on board again. There you go. <laughs> All right. Next we have, is it me again? I'm all confused. It's you again. Sam. It's that cold. You got, you're full of, uh, you're full of cold medication. Probably a little fuzzy. I can't follow a system of alternating. So obviously that's the problem. Sam in Kent, UK writes, we're only two episodes in, so it's early days, but I'm amazed by how fantastic this season has been so far. It's amazing how a show can drastically improve just by focusing more on the characters themselves. For what feels like forever, we've had crummy, repetitive dialogue, the same themes tackled again and again, and little to no real development from any of the characters. I'm loving all these little moments with various characters, especially the scene with Michonne, Carol, and Maggie in the premiere. One of my biggest problems with the show has been how we always saw the same characters interact. For example, Glenn and Carl were on the show together for six seasons. How many times do you think they exchanged words on screen during that time? Have a guess. As far as I know, it was once. Likewise, as far as I'm aware, Glenn and Carol only ever spoke once on screen. Those are original characters who had next to no relationship, and that sucks. It's true. I think that's a really fascinating point, actually, to say that characters like Glenn and Carl only had one interaction in six years. Like that's mind blowing when you think about it. That's pretty nuts. You know? So it's just another thing that they've been doing in season nine that has really balanced it out. They've put the characters in situations and had, and they've had conversations that just bring them together and balance them so well. So Angela Kang, kudos. Doing a good work. fine She's job. She's done a great job so far. Very good job. All right, next we have John in Boston, Massachusetts. I do not fault Maggie for her execution of Gregory. Others have listed Gregory's many crimes against both Maggie and against Hilltop. I think it's worth also mentioning that when we sent her to confront her assassin, Earl, uh, he did so uh, knowing full well that Herschel was with her. It did not concern him that the, in the least that he set her up using her husband's grave as an excuse or that he endangered her infant son in the process. His depravity goes much deeper than anything we witness from either Randall or Pete. Before the hanging, Maggie states, it'll be dark soon, time to put the children to bed. This is literal, of course, but she is also saying that this would not be uh, one, this is not one for children or for childish ideas. This world is not for one. This world, sorry. Uh would she have rejected Carl's uh, Carl's idealism out of hand? But she also says this is not the beginning of something. She sees Gregory's execution as a necessity, but not as establishing a legal precedent. She has acted harshly, decisively, but not injudiciously. She is not the governor, who would likely have made Gregory fight to the death for the entertainment of the others. Does the punishment fit the crime, as she asserts? Is a failed murderer any less a murderer just because he fudges the job? Under the rule of law, the answer is yes. We do treat him differently, even if that does not always make sense. Maggie knows, however, the hilltop, Alexandria, and the kingdom are not there yet. 
They require harsher justice, frontier justice. Michonne hopes for something better and makes makes her case to Rick and Maggie. So John sent a much longer email than this, actually, but that was sort of the paragraph I wanted to pull out of it. And his email was quite well written about Gregory's whole execution. And he compares how the group handled Randall way back in season two and Pete in season six to how Maggie handled Gregory here in season nine. Um, And if you recall, with Randall, he was that kid they found and they wanted to let him go. But uh, Shane at the time wanted to execute him because Shane wasn't convinced that he wouldn't go back to his people and say, I found these others. Let's, you know, bring back more and kill them and take their stuff. Right. Um, And then with Pete, I mean, Rick executed Pete in front of everybody uh, on the ground there, you know, with no consultation from anyone else other than maybe Deanna who said to do it. So, uh, you know, when you consider those two actions or at least those two different approaches to dealing with someone who you don't know or you can't trust or who has committed some kind of, you know, crimes or or acts that are like crimes in the case of Pete. Um, and you compare that with, you know, what Maggie did with Gregory here, you can sort of see the similarities a little bit. And then the other thing to remember just about Carl when reading John's email here is that, you know, Carl argued for forgiveness and peace and all that stuff before he died. Um, and, you know, Maggie hasn't really bought into that idea in the same way that Rick has. So, uh, anyways, all that being said, I thought John wrote a good email here, just kind of outlining a little bit more of the the deeper ideas behind the reason for Maggie hanging Gregory in the premiere. Right. I think I'm okay with her killing Gregory. <laughs> I think I'm not okay with the way she uh, used it as justice. Sure. Like, sure, frontier justice. But like I said, it would have been better if she just, Shot him in the face, like Rick has done. And not made an example out of him. And not made an example of him, not Got said it. that, uh, you know, at the hilltop, the punishment has to fit the crime. And, uh, you know, she's trying to say that the, that the community is better off by having laws, and these laws dictate he's got to hang. It's like, no, they don't. He's got to hang because you want to hang him. Well, she wasn't even on board with the laws at the time of the hanging, right? She's only come around to that after the fact when Michonne came along and said, maybe we should have some laws so you're not hanging everybody all the time. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> you know? So, so she wasn't quite there yet, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I don't so, know. It's very murky. It is. A good discussion point. Absolutely. And we can't seem to stop talking about it. So uh, That's okay. That's, that's, okay. that's good. That's what we want from the show. One of the things, yeah. right? It is. It is. All right. Uh, Josh on the internet writes, Until about nine months ago, I'd never seen an episode of The Walking Dead. Since then, I've watched all 160-odd episodes of The Walking Dead and Fear and listened to 250-plus episodes of the podcast. Finally, I'm caught up. The one question I've been asking myself is, 18 months later in the show, and no one is asking, where is Heath? He was kidnapped? (laughs) Left a, what he was kidnapped, left a clue behind, and no one ever went looking for him. <laughs> nope, he's gone. He is, but from what I've heard, Heath will make another appearance in the show at some point. 
Is he going to have his ID card with him? His little... Didn't they find an ID card on uh, on the ground? They found Tara? that. Tara found the, what is it, PPP card? Yeah, security pass. Oh, PPP. Maybe that's PP, repeater. Maybe that's the same bridge. Is it the same bridge? Oh, my God. Maybe PPP, the repeater. Yes. Yeah, Pete Pete. <laughs> Pete the repeater. Pete uh, Pete Peterson, I guess his name is. <laughs> Yeah, why not? Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I I assume that's the clue that Josh is referring to. So I don't know. I do hope Heath comes back, and I hope they have a damn good reason for where the hell he's been. Yeah. He, or an explanation. Lost. <laughs> yeah. There's traffic. I got stuck in traffic. For 18 months. <laughs> the lineup at the coffee shop was so long. It was like nobody, <laughs> like they were all dead. They were just standing there, and I just stood behind them all that time. And uh, I didn't want to be impolite. Right. But then they started rotting, so I left. <laughs> yeah, and here I am, 18 months later. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Uh, all right. Next, we have uh, a call from Glenn. And Glenn's call is about the season premiere, uh, not this episode, but I wanted to play it because I think it's funny. Cool. Hello, boys. It's Glenn in sunny England. Sorry for the late message. Just want to quickly weigh in on the first episode. Shitty CGI, bad decisions, massive plot holes. The Walking Dead is back and I wouldn't have it any other way. So quickly, all I wanted to say, a couple of things. Um, while the wagon's trapped in the mud, uh, let's do a quick roll call. We have Cocky Jesus, Dr. Doolittle's there, Daryl Doovin Less is there, Maggie, who I'm now calling Anakin, mark my words, Anakin, Maggie, Mannequin. Um, <laughs> we've got Rick Grimes. Um, oh, God. That's Rick Grimes, the man who ended the war. Um, got Carol King, not Carol King, Carol and the King. Michonne, <laughs> same shit, different season. Uh, two to three newbies, the singing saviour, Enid the spy, and there are ten walkers. I paused it and counted them. There are ten walkers. We have 12 to 13 badasses, all with stabby weapons. That's less than one walker each. And they all decide to turn and run and leave the wagon that they, and, and everything they've worked for, leave it there. And a guy gets bit, and they kill all the walkers anyway. So what? What do we gain there? I don't know. Nothing. I don't, really don't think we gained anything. And why all the tears and all the upset when this guy died? Had they expected us to invest in him within the first five minutes? We don't know who he is. We've never seen him before. But Maggie's crying like she's lost Glenn again. Enid's rolling more tears than Carl popped his clogs. It's just didn't make any sense. Really took me out of it because I was thinking, well, do, do we know this guy? Why is everyone so upset? Where's Kidnap Baby? Where are the helicopters? It's been a year and a half. Did they never come back? And why does Daryl just leave that ammo lying ever? He just shoots things and leaves the ammo. It drives me bananas. But do you know what? Like I said at the start, I wouldn't have it any other way. Love this show. Love you guys. Oh, and the ending. Bit ropey, I thought. <laughs> anyway, guys. Uh, <laughs> Great to have you back. Looking forward to this season. And uh, catch up with you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Glenn. I can't really say anything about, you know, his his message there. He kind of covers it all. The Walking Dead is back. It has all these problems, which I don't entirely agree with. But he wouldn't have any other way. That's true. Yeah, I think uh, they probably should have just weighed in and killed those walkers instead of going, oh my God, we got to leave the wagon and the horses. Yeah, probably. probably. And then this guy died that we don't know who he is. Oh, we're so sad. We're so sad. But I, my favorite part was at the beginning where, where Glenn says something like, uh, we've got Dr. Doolittle and Daryl do even less. 
<laughs> or, you know, but Daryl's doing tons this season and it's working for me. So yeah. good on him. You know what, you know what, uh, amazed me about his call? What? I forgot that Enid was a spy. Well, you forgot. I didn't think Enid the spy yet this season. Wow. It didn't see? even occur to me. So thanks, Glenn. They've lulled. Oh, I can keep bringing that up. They, great. Thanks, Glenn. They've lulled you into a sense of security about Enid. And now when it's revealed that she's a spy, man. Oh, are that's you, because Justin is Enid's older brother. Are you ever going to feel vindicated, older brother? Come on, really? <laughs> well, I I don't think, I think the age difference is a little too big for it to be father-daughter. And also, I think it's probably a little inappropriate for them to be in a relationship. So I'm going to go with older brother. Okay. Or uncle. I could say uncle, Uncle Justin. I'm going to call him Uncle Jody from now on. Uncle Jay. That's my Uncle Jay up there. It's, it's, it's Enid's Uncle Jody. Okay. You know, I think unless, calling him, unless he's dead. Calling him Jody is probably confusing to some people, but we'll I try know, to But I called straight. Axel just Jasper for the longest time. That's true. And then I named my son after him. <laughs> I know, that's the best. <laughs> that's my my favorite part about you calling Axel ju- uh Jasper is that number 1, you named your son after him, which I think is yep. great. And number 2, they included Jasper on the show. Remember when Daryl was tracking and he picked up some Jasper plant? That was because of us, we you have know. A, if we had another son, I'll name him Jody. Perfect. We'll <laughs> get to work on that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, we got one more email here before we call it a night, and this one is kind of unrelated to The Walking Dead, but it is worth including. So here we go. It's from Lucy in Newmarket, UK, and Lucy writes, I just wanted to make a comment on the feedback show from last week. Jason made a reference to Canadians often going cottaging, which made me laugh a lot. I'm thinking that the term cottaging has a very different meaning in Canada than in the UK. Well, so Jason, I assume that that's true, but I don't know what it means in the UK. So, did you look it up, or did you know what it means? No, I looked it up because I didn't know that it had an alternate meaning in British. It's some English. kind of sexual thing, isn't it? According to the <laughs> Collins. English Dictionary, the term cottaging means, is a noun, and in British yeah. English, it means homosexual activity between men in public toilets. Oh, well, hello. <laughs> so when you said well, last week- I mean, that Canadians of, probably do that. Sure. I don't, people all generally. Over the, people all over the world probably do it, but when, you, when we go cottaging, we mean we go to a- Small house in the woods or maybe on a lake. Yeah, probably not set up for all three seasons. Sometimes it is, sometimes it is all four seasons. Sometimes <laughs> it's it's the kind of thing you don't go to in the winter. Right. Because it doesn't have proper insulation or proper heating. You go to in the summer. We have a hell of a lot of lakes, so they're probably on a lake or a river. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We and, go to, and, and that's just Southern Ontario generally. I don't know where in the rest of the country, I'm not sure what they refer to it. Northern Ontario, where I'm from. We call it going to camp. Yeah, I know that. So going to camp here. You go to camp. Here, to the cottage. Here where I'm from, you go to the cottage. And Maybe that's different. Uh, going to the cottage is different than cottaging. I mean, we use the term cottaging to mean spending time at the cottage. Uh, right. Not anything in between or in public toilets. So I think it, out west they say uh, going to the cabin. Cabin. Yeah, that's common as well. But but I can see that like cabin and cottage kind of mean the same thing to me. The word camp to me 
is something totally different. That's going into the woods and pitching a tent and camping. Yeah, but, pitching a tent's another thing for uh, something. Else. <laughs> right. But yeah. yes, I understand that. And that's why, you know, for the last 25 years that I've lived down here, I've come around to saying going to the cottage. But if I say that when I go back to the Sioux, everybody looks at me like I'm crazy. Sure. I'm speaking a slightly different language because <laughs> they just say they're going to camp. And that could mean anywhere from going to a tent trailer to going and pitching a tent to going to somebody's uh, house on the lake mm-hmm. with all the amenities and a hot tub and a tennis court and a yacht and that kind of stuff. They're still going to camp. They're right. still going to camp. Okay. Well, it's just different. Yeah, it's different. I don't know many people that go to their cottage and have a yacht and a hot tub and stuff. Although I do know some, so it happens. Yeah, it happens. But I, I somebody, uh, I had a friend who, uh, whose parents had a camp that, uh, they had a hot tub. Yeah. Well, um, that's that. Apparently the term cottaging in British English means homosexual activity between men in public toilets, according to the Collins English Dictionary. So that feels like a reputable source. Uh, and I can yeah, understand. I'm on board. I can understand how that would be funny. So. Yeah. I mean, like I say, there's probably a lot of people that do that around here. Of course. And. But when I go to the cottage, I don't do that. <laughs> no. You sit on the dock. You might go swimming. You maybe. Probably won't go swimming. No, I don't go swimming much either. But I'm much of a swimmer. Have a nice time. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen you in the water. When we fired a trebuchet into the water, oh, yeah. you were in there. That was fun. <laughs> that was fun. All right. Uh, thank you, Lucy, for pointing that out. Good times. Um, and uh, if anyone else out there in other, you know, regions of the world where you speak slightly different English than we do and something is funny, let us know because I enjoy hearing about that kind of stuff. It's uh, It's entertaining. Yeah, if you have terms for other sexual encounters that uh, we may not know in Canada, you know, and that we accidentally use, let us know. Yeah, of course. I mean, there could be common everyday phrases that we say that that mean something different in other languages. I mean, other yeah, dialects. We could say uh, two girls in a cup and not mean the uh, the gross, disgusting thing that you can find on the internet. Don't don't look that up. Don't look that up. It's no, not worth it. Trust it's me. Not. It is not. All right. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote and called in this week. Our next podcast will be for season nine, episode three. The title of that episode is Warning Signs. I already have a couple of title reads for it from um, eager listeners. But if you want to do one, by all means, record yourself saying the title Warning Signs and send it into us. I'll play as many as I can on the podcast next week. That will be coming on Tuesday as usual. And, um, until then, if you want to get in touch with us, you can visit talkingdeadpodcast.com, click on send voicemail at the top, and you can record a message that will send right to us. That thing is working okay, uh, but for some reason, some people who record, uh, with it end up sort of with a little bit of clippy, staticky audio, so maybe just check if your vol- if your like input levels like super high or something like that i don't know it could be also not your fault at all it could be just the recording widget we use um but we'll see uh you can also find us on facebook at facebook.com/talkingdead or on twitter at talkingdead and of course you can always send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com all right thanks for tuning in this week everyone this was super fun i'm going to go and take more medicine now and try to get over this cold i need to get better so i can get to my hockey game on monday and and contribute to the team and not sort of die on the ice from being sick 
And yeah, then, you got to rest up so that you can go cottaging. I, I got to do some cottaging soon. That's right. Need to need to be healthy <laughs> for that. <laughs> uh, okay, that's it, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.